If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the globe, the world, international, intergalactic, super fantastic, fragile Cali- well, what, are the, what is it? Anyway, I already messed fragile up. Fragile super fragile Cali- What is that, Mary? Anyway, that Mary Poppins thing. Uh, keep going. Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, with you. welcome to Game Dev Unchained, the most unprofessional podcast on <laughs> game development and the lifestyle thereof. This is Larry Charles, one half of the podcasting hosting team. If you know how teams work, that means it usually takes a combined effort to bring you such an amazing product like this. I swear we don't just shoot from the hip. Helping me this week score the highest points on the team, Mr. Brandon Pham. What's up, everybody? To make this even more unprofessional, this is Brandon Pham. Please welcome our guest this week, John Podlastic. Yeah, you got it. That sounds good. There we go. All right. Thanks. Glad you have uh, on. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. This is the part of the podcast that you introduce yourself to our listeners, where you've been, where you are, where you're heading. Okay. Uh, right now, I'm about a year and a half in at Level X, and it's a fast-growing uh, studio that creates mobile AR and VR games. Oh, play nice. by over, Yeah. And they're played by over uh, – it's meant for healthcare professionals. So we've had over 300,000 players uh, in this medical gaming healthcare space. Uh Previously, I was executive producer, and then I moved into this role as uh, talent director of talent acquisition uh, to help grow the the company with the best and brightest people. Um, where was I? Man, it's a long, it's a long, long, strange trip. Um, I started way back in 1989 at the TurboGrafx 16 as a hotline Jeez. phone rep. So I am probably your oldest guest, I, I would imagine. Um, be surprised. <laughs> yeah. And a uh, bunch of game death studios, uh, Midway Games, Disney Interactive, Viacom, New Media, Zynga, WMS Games, Blue Byte, Phosphor Games, Terry Glyph Interactive. Um, I had a testing source company for doing QA, and I spent a stint at 3Com. Um, probably best known as being the first um, internal producer on the Mortal Kombat franchise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon are all the games I worked on um, 2000, 2008. And I worked on a big chunk of MK versus DC Universe. Um, I also did stuff with Disney, uh, Marvel Avengers Initiative. Uh, I did a bunch of Beavis and Buddy games. Um, mm. Mike Judge is a good dude. And uh, Blue Bite, I did Settlers 3. Uh, came in on the end of that. Um, but yeah, uh, I've worked probably... 10, 11 studios over this 25 plus year career. Jesus. Man. Nice. Well, congrats for being still alive, making it through. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that Larry and I are, are starting to see a lot in our industry. Well, Larry and I have been in this thing for over 10 years now. And in our crop of time, we have seen a lot of friends leave mm-hmm. and uh it's just one of those pressuring issues that are, are, is happening i would say like in the last few years uh, I, I wouldn't say re- 
repercussions on the bad practices that are happening. But I, I feel like it's gotten louder uh, in terms of our issues that we face as game developers. It's at least more known to game players. Mm-hmm. But uh, when, when was the first few times that you felt that I need to do something else, I guess, <laughs> in, in your tenure as yeah. a game developer in the gaming it, space? It, uh, I would go through 10-year cycles where I, uh, I think in 98, I was kind of burnt out at, at being a blue bite. I was in the U.S. The development was in Germany. I spent time in Germany um, working a lot of hours, and I, I just kind of hit a tipping point. So that's, I got out, went to 3Com, and found it just too damn boring, and then, you know, just like Godfather Two, I keep out trying to get out, and they keep pulling me back in. So um, I got mm-hmm. pulled back in, and <laughs> Terraglyph, and then ended up at Midway, and then another ten years later, um, I just kind of tapped out again, and and uh, I got out in two thousand eight. Um, worked kind of more corporate video IP stuff. They had some ex video game folks there, and um, it's a fine company. But uh, I ended up yeah getting getting back in. So. Um, 2014, I got out uh, when Disney shut down our studio. It was a small studio called Wide Load Games, Stubbs a Zombie, and some different games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Alex Seropian founded it. Um, who just sold the studio now to EA? He's he's a genius because he yeah, founded Bungie, Wide Load, and now uh, Industrial mm-hmm. Toys. So oh, Jesus, yeah, he's done. He's at a, a, a three peat there, and um, yeah, I got back in. And was at Zynga until I came here to uh, Level X, and um, I'm really happy here, and I'm, I'm glad to be doing stuff in the in the medical space that's gaming related and helping people with a uh, great work life balance, and um, letting people have lives outside of work and working on projects outside of work and um, not crunching and, and killing themselves. When you look at your career, as far as you know those breaks where you leave the industry, you said, you know, the famous quote, once I got out, they pulled me back in. Like, right. what was it about the game industry that, you know, you had sworn off, but then you see some sort of alluring feature about it that makes you come back and give it another try. Was it the same thing or was it a different thing each time? I guess, where's your mindset in coming back to the industry after knowing that you were going to leave? Yeah, it was, um, you know, a lot really boils down to, and you guys can probably acknowledge this too, or, or just relate to, it's the people, right? You know, we work with such amazing, fun, talented people. And I found myself being at places and, you know, on Mondays, everyone talk about cutting their yard and what kind of fertilizer they use. And, you know, and I'm just like, man, I don't really give a shit about that. I was on a motorcycle and no pun intended. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like, man, that's, that's boring. And uh, I, I would get bored and, People would be, hey, we got this thing over here, you, you know, and I'm like, ah, these, that's good, good people over there. And um, they would always be reaching out to me. And then at one point I'd just be like, yeah, I can't take it anymore. Let's, let's, let's give it a try again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, I get getting back in and um, yeah, I've kind of, I've came to terms with it. I, I had a period where I was just trying to dis, distance myself and just kind of being, that's it. And that's behind me now and stuff. But now I've kind of embraced it and kind of acknowledged it and just, realize that's kind of who I am and who my career has been um, since 1989. So just mm-hmm. uh, roll with it and, and not try to uh, push it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 89. I would say the last three <laughs> years or so uh, has been an interesting um, 
transition, not transition. I, I would mm-hmm. say a blossoming industry, the non-gaming space using mm-hmm. game tools or traditional yeah. real real-time solutions, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, not not a lot of game developers know about this space, but it, it is being um, pursued by a lot of big companies uh, that have other streaming revenues. And, and um, how, what was your f- first notification about this uh, that isn't game, um, traditionally game development? Yeah, I, I'd worked with... Uh... A friend of mine is the art director, Ryan Blake at Phosphor Games, and he reached out to me telling me about this medical gaming startup. And I was like, well, oh, that's interesting. And I um, mm-hmm. uh, had dinner with the CEO and we talked and I was really impressed by his passion and his knowledge and his background. I mean, he was mm-hmm. a graphics engineer, went to Stanford, helped worked at LucasArts, helped head up uh, DirectX. Uh, mm-hmm. Done all these amazing things in his career and and was building this company you know, I'd seen it go from four people to eight people. I joined, there was 16 or 18 of us. Now we're at like 63, you know, in a year nice. and a half. Nice. Yeah. And, um, and we're doing cutting edge stuff. I, I mean, we were at Seagraph for a uh, real time live where you're, you know, showing the best of the best, you know, 2,500 people uh, up against LucasArts, Unity, Epic. And we're showing what we're doing with real-time fluids and uh, soft body tissue and, and all these kind of like cutting edge things. And we took third place, you know, mm-hmm. wow. um, with a six minute presentation, our CEO did uh, showing what we did in the mobile, what we're doing in the mobile space and VR. And um, yeah, it was really, uh, it was really cool. And the whole company was really proud to see that because, you know, we stood toe to toe with the industry giants of traditional gaming and mm-hmm. we pulled out a third place uh, at real time live. Wow. And that was really cool. You know? mm-hmm. I saw them. What was impressive that medical or surgeons first time being hands on would be on a live patient. <laughs> right. Um, Is that true? Is that what I've read correct or heard correctly? Sorry, you, you cut out a little bit in the beginning. The, the what part? Yeah. That uh, surgeons uh, first mm-hmm. hands on surgery would Operating be on a live operating yeah. experience um that as i understand it is true and it's um there's people there coaching and stuff like that but that it is to get the real thing they, they do it the real way right and um that's just like wow do they have to do that you know can we make it look close enough and realistic enough that they can get practice um and learn about new things and learn about diseases and treatments and not always have to do it you know, live on, on a person. So, you know, that's part of our mission and it's, it's for surgeons and physicians and doctors that are, that want more exposure to things and, and not necessarily doing it live for the first time. But yeah, I've heard that also, which is a little mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. And like the fact that it's VR, like there's this um, inside the game development industry, VR has become very niche, right? Oh yeah, for there's sure. Not enough units out there for, game players and game developers take advantage of. But mm-hmm. what I've seen a lot of growth is, is in your space where it's simulators basically for training. Mm-hmm. And that space alone in the last year and a half I've been paying attention to has just grown exponentially in terms of, you know, I saw this deal with Walmart where they were training their employees using VR mm-hmm. versus traditional um, methods. This is something that yeah. obviously you guys were on the front lines of in yeah. On. Yeah. And we like to think of it too is um, 
our VR stuff is a smaller part of our business. It was like a small mm-hmm. sandbox thing we did for a, uh, a conference that ended up getting picked mm-hmm. up by other companies. So our, our, our core stuff is really on mobile and, I see. um, but there is, you know, stuff we do in VR and it is still very niche, right? Like it's HTC Vive and you got to have, have expensive computer and then you plug everything in. You're like, why the hell isn't this working? And then you unplug it and you plug it back mm-hmm. in and then all of a sudden it works. You know, it's, there's just, there's too many barriers uh, of entry right now. And maybe that'll change with the Oculus uh, Quest or, mm-hmm. or you, you know, when we get rid of cameras and $4,000 computers and, and all the mm-hmm. hobbyist yeah. type level. But yeah, right now it's very... It's very niche and, um, and we focus on making stuff fun, right? Cause like we want it to be engaging. We want these doctors to come back, you know, month after month. And if you make it boring or, or too sim, uh, especially on the phone, they're like, ah, I'll go do something else. I'll watch ES- yeah. I'll hit ESPN on my phone, you know, or change it to something. Mm-hmm. So we have to make it fun. That's why we hire designers that worked on uh, diner dash or uh, a mushroom 11 and things like that, because we want it to be really fun. Mm-hmm. And, and have it engaging. Do you feel like, um, obviously you guys are more geared towards the archers, but do you feel like this being applied to all students uh, in the future? Not just your game, but just in, in this type of type of training? Yeah, no, yeah, 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 definitely. I, I, I see this growing in, in your Walmart example. I, I've heard that also. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, Martin Murphy, teaches down a ringling and he just um, got a specialized degree with VR and helping train future um, artists and engineers and stuff in, in doing VR and in uh, gaming and outside of gaming spaces. There's a lot in the architecture space that happens in VR and things. Um, so, uh, you know, ringlings, uh, uh, you, you know, cream of the crop. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 And Martin Murphy uh, is a great guy and, and he's on the cutting edge with it down there in Florida. So um, yeah, I, I see nothing but, but growth in that space. Cause it is hard on, on the gaming side to make, to make money. I think people have these dreams and they think it's so awesome and they run out and they run out of money and they're like, Holy crap, that didn't work. You know? So there's mm-hmm. other ways to do it in, in VR right now. Yeah. That's one thing about the game industry right now is I find that consumers are having more and more problems with spending money to enjoy playing games. Uh, and the industry is having to shift to acknowledge that where we have, you know, our two Titans in any sort of genre or space. And then you kind of have just a, a, a dearth of consumer support, you know, yeah. uh, past like the one or two in each son in each genre. Right. Um, it, it's hard, but you know, that's just, I guess that's where I stand is where I look at it. So I'm really happy to know that, like Brandon said, we're looking at a boom, though, in other areas where gaming expertise can be applied in using tool sets or using knowledge or using our ability to create fun and entertaining experiences that mm-hmm. are opening up career or financial opportunities for companies. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. what about yourself? If you start doing some forecasting, I guess, where do you feel like your skill set specifically, like what you're doing now and what you've developed over the 20 years? Where do you feel like if you had to put all your chips on one bet and say, all right, if I was going to make one product, right, if I was going to make like my own business running one type of thing for game consumers, I guess, where would you put that money? Where would you make that bet? Um, wow. That's, that's a big question. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff also going around. I would say maybe something in the AR space, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's in everyone's pockets and, and it's very easy and accessible. And, um, you, you know, obviously there's Pokemon Go and stuff, but, you know, w- you know what's the next big thing? Is, is there other really cool things you can do in AR because um, 
you don't have to have the, the goggles and the four thousand dollar laptop and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, so AR, um, yeah, I, I think they're probably my best best take right now. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about AR. We say it a lot, but I'm I want AR to pop. I want it to be big, but I'm also afraid of it being big because I know the first thing that's going to happen is if you didn't like pop up advertising <laughs> on your monitor, <laughs> wait till you're driving down the street and just billboards exist like as you're walking and you yeah. got to move things out of the way. Right, right. right. Then you're looking at like, wait, wait, what's real? What's going on? What? Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. There's that one scene in Ready Player One where, like, the corporate was talking about how they're trying to take over the um, the program, and it's like we are allowed eighty percent of screen space before uh, before players go berserk or something. That's just so true. So we just push the edge. According to our research, yeah, yeah, we found the threshold: seventy nine point eight seven percent. Yeah, it's so good. Fully monetize what we can do before driving people nuts. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't get to that. I was having a conversation about something similar today. It was like, we took a break from, from working. We we're like, someone was like, you know, you have to pay to avoid advertising. Like that's how bad advertising is these days. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta pay it's to, a product to go that like, Hey, give me nine bucks and I'll remove ads for you. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, really where have we gone to as, as people, as an industry, as just advertising mm-hmm. in general, you know, the attention merchants, man, they, 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 they've, grab the data and they figure out ways to slice and dice it and send you stuff that's interesting. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's big business for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you obviously started and met a lot of friends during your years. Like yeah. with 25 years under your belt, where are those guys now? <laughs> because it's the right? question that who wasn't yeah one yeah, yeah, yeah that, I'm just, I'm teasing and just you know no, in no, general, yeah, I, yeah, i'm starting to fair. see friends kind of you know gone so yeah no i and i mean I, i'd heard a stat that said like one percent of the game industry is 50 or over and i'm like yeah. wow and i'm like even if that's 1.9 that that's still a very small number um very small. Yeah. you know I, I look back to my graphics days and it was like you know in that room with like 40 people i'm like there's one guy zynga i'm still friends with and there's another guy that uh uh was doing exact producing stuff i think it was with lucas or somewhere out west um mm-hmm. but man most of them are gone um from the industry, I'm not saying they're all dead, but, uh, you know, um, you yeah, not that they're all dead. <laughs> uh, is there a common area that they just transition over using their expertise or completely different in general? If you yeah, you know, it's, um, it, it depends on the discipline, right? Like engineers, a lot of times go into this, um, uh, because of the speed with like real time trading and micro uh, micro trades mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, there's all these companies that, and it's kind of shady uh, in some yeah. ways from what I hear. They do all these like transactions on fractions of pennies, and uh, so nah. I see a lot a lot of engineers uh, go into that space. Um, mm-hmm. You know, artists. Um, sounds like the plot of Office, office Space. space. <laughs> well, it's, it's Isn't that how they hacked? <laughs> It's it's true. It's just pennies, you know. Yeah, pennies. <laughs> no one knows. Right, right, right. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. But it, yeah, it, it's it's these companies are set up just to deal with all these fractions of pennies at, at you know billions of executions, and mm. and they get people out of the game industry for that. Um, uh, I've seen designers go to say Google and, and do instructional design stuff, and then mm, come back come back to the industry. Um, 
I've seen um, artists um, go off and start their own things and maybe start outsourcing companies or, or stuff that's in the industry, but not for game studios. So it's more in the peripheral um, with outsourcing and, and managing outsourcing and running studios for art and things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just different avenues. Mm-hmm. What what have you seen with the non-gaming space? I mean, you've have a good amount of time there now. Like what is the biggest difference that you're seeing in its future and, and presently? Um, you said in the non-gaming space or in the gaming space? These are non-gaming. The non-gaming space, the, 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 the industry that you're in now. Like what's, okay. the, dip, the, what's the biggest difference that you're feeling um, that's making you stay? I kind of I, I call our space, at least the, the, the medical gaming space, so, uh, because we, we focus a lot on, on game mechanics and uh, working with medical researchers and figuring out how to do cool stuff. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, quality of life, uh, being able to work normal hours and, and, and not sleeping in your office and all those kind of things that I've done far too much of in my career. And um yeah, just just having that good work life balance and, and doing stuff that has more meaning. That's a little deeper level of what you're working on than than a typical game. Um, that's just kind of speaking for level X, um, not necessarily for you know all the non gaming space type stuff that's going on outside of that. Uh, if that answers your question, um, yeah, I mean definitely. When I think about where you sit right now, right, having. Mm-hmm let's just say like an entire career inside of the game industry and then starting living through another entire career outside of the game industry, but still kind of using creative talents to do similar ventures. I think that that's, that's the golden opportunity for me because one of the things that I fear is you did mention, there's not a lot of 50 year olds who do what we do, but there's also the fear of not being able to lateral properly. Like the longer I put into being a game designer, right? the higher up I move up that ladder, where can I transfer those skills? Like there's a lot of fear in saying like, Oh man, how am I going to just go to Google on day one and be like, Hey, I'm a hundred thousand plus designer salary wise. But now that I'm here for Google, like they're going to be like, Oh, well here you're a $50,000 designer because you have no experience. You know what I mean? Did you have to deal with any of that kind of like fear of lateral or fear of loss because of, you know, trying to shift out of the industry or I guess, was there any financial fears for you? Yeah. I, I mean, um, my background is, you know, really in production. So like I produced my first, oh man, it was 96, the Beavis and Budded winner takes, winner takes all. And it was a, <laughs> you don't know Jack ripoff type game, but, um, I think it's a lot easier when you're in production and I came out of QA, but in production, you can transfer project management skills to other kind of software development type okay. stuff. So, um, I think that's an easier one to do. I think engineering is easier to do it. Um, You know, to be honest, I think it's a little tougher on the design side, right? Just because um, there isn't quite as many options, at least now, um, for all kinds of different companies and all kinds of industries looking for traditional game designers. You know, again, that said, you know, we hire game designers to to work with artists and engineers and medical people. But yeah, it's um, you're you're not pigeonholed, but it, it is not as many uh, avenues uh, I would say right now, but you know, who knows where things go in a couple of years and um, other kind of options outside of traditional gaming as they continue to blossom with AR and and VR gets uh, more inexpensive and more accessible and, um, and those kind of things. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to the boom of AR more than anything. I think in the game industry that that is the jump that I know is just going to bring amazing things to the world. At the same time, it's going to bring very annoying things, but it's it's worth the risk for me. It's like I hate pop up ads, but I would never live without the internet kind of thing. Um, right. I guess is how I feel about it. So I'm excited about the potential there. Uh, are you going to put some time and effort into doing any sort of creative works in AR? For your own self, you know, is there, are there any career goals to do any sort of entrepreneurial things versus work for other companies? Yeah, like um, I've, I've done uh, a bunch of different things. When um, Disney shut our studio down, I was kind of like at a point and I'd had some frustrations and it, it was kind of challenging at times. And I went off and got involved in some different entrepreneurial endeavors. I got involved with, you know, private label stuff, uh, some Amazon books, uh, researching SaaS for, for doing development that way. Um, and I'm actually working on uh, a video game consulting type thing where I can uh, be a career coach, right. And oh. work with people kind of one-on-one and kind of see what they need and, and try and help them. So, you know, I've, I've oh. got a, a thing I'm developing right now. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just cause I'm, I'm sitting here and like, man, I've done a lot. I've seen a lot. And, and there's always people that have questions and, and maybe they want to talk to somebody confidentially, right. Not at work uh, about ideas and, and, and career uh, coaching and advice and direction and companies to work for or to stay away from. Um, I, I know both of them, both kinds. And um, yeah, trying to help people uh, in that way. So um, yeah, I've got lots of kind of side projects and entre- entrepreneurial ambitions. Um, yeah. I definitely hope the consulting works out because that's something that like, obviously the reason why we're doing this is because we want to help people in the game industry as well. We're trying to open up doors and show avenues to people who didn't think that they were there. Um, Mm -hmm. So if there's anything that we can do, even while we're talking about it right now to shine more light on that, we'd love to like, are you operational now looking for people to reach out to you or some time in developing it? Yeah, I, I've, I've got a domain. I'm I'm getting stuff uh, set up right now, but it's, it's um, game advice or excuse me, gamedevadvice.com. Yeah, um, I like that sequence of the name. So let's, yeah, uh, it's I mean, got a ring to it for some reason. I like it. I, I'm very glad to hear that because you can't see my giant whiteboard over here, but I, I pulled my <laughs> hair off for weeks and, and, and looking at trying to pare it down and uh, it's too long. That's too quirky, but it's just like game dev advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. That tells what it is. And yep. um, yeah, uh, there's a website, uh, skeleton website up now. And, um, uh, I'm even tossed around, uh, doing some, uh, podcasts just because I can talk to people, uh, that I know it teach and, and do other things. So, um, just trying to, you know, help people based on all my experience and, and kind of help them navigate pitfalls and, um, and learn from, from my experience, how yeah. we can help. And are you the only person that's going to be doing the advice giving? Are you working with anybody or are there plans to, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just going to kind of see what people want. Right. And if it's mm-hmm. just, uh, a lot of stuff that I can answer, then I can help. If it's, if I, I see a theme where people are asking for a lot of stuff, I know lots of people that I could reach out to and see if, you know, they would want to help, whether it's, you know, engineering or design or, um, art and things, um, to see if there's, you know, maybe there's a mastermind uh, type thing that gets developed. Um, but I, I don't want to have too many preconceptions going into it. I, I want to let it be driven by what people are asking. So, um, yeah, it's just under construction right now and it should be live, you know, when this airs and, um, yeah, people can ping me there and, uh, 
uh, reach out and I can see how I can help. And um, yeah, I just want to make it uh, driven by what people are looking for instead of just kind of drive my ideas into what I think it should be. Yeah. Sounds great. I mean, we're in yeah. huge support of developers, uh, especially with your knowledge background to kind of uh, warn the pitfalls ahead. Um, there's definitely been more res- I hate to say like there's more responsible journalism, like at least more sh- shining more lights on, on problems that we've been suffering through with yeah. decades. Either yeah. that they see it more more clickbait nowadays, or seriously just am seeing a huge problem and, and I'm trying to be there for us and help us out. Like in recent months alone, you know. Oh yeah, of God crunching. yeah. Crunch and, and the telltale fiasco. I mean, that just that made me nauseous when I heard that. I was just so, oh, so effing, effing pissed um, that yeah. they didn't know there was that much runway and they just did it that way. I mean, that's, uh, that's just bullshit, man. And, and, and yeah. that kind of stuff is like, you can't do that, man. That, that's, that's not how you run a business. Um, you have mm-hmm. to give people warnings. You, you, you have to be more upfront and not just, uh, try Hail Mary and then just shit can 95% of a studio with no warning and health benefits gone in nine days. I mean, I was livid for days about that and it's, it's not yeah. right. It, you know, yeah. you can't do that. Is there, yeah. I, I would like to ask a follow-up because one of the things that I feared, even in running my own game company and not that I'm saying or validating that type of thing, but we all know that the other side of like, if I start telling people ahead of time, are they going to immediately stop working and like start looking for jobs or start looking for exits. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I guess how do yeah. you feel from the employer side, I guess about that scenario? Cause that's what they fear probably in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, what usually happens is it'll be kind of like a, uh, staged, you know, with multiple layoffs. So, um, it's not so abrupt all at once and yeah, it's, it's going to happen where, People start going, when's the other shoe going to drop? When's the other shoe going to drop? And because mm-hmm. then people will be like, no, no, everything's fine. You, you oh, know, yeah. you know, nothing to see, nothing, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and people know it's not. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, no, it's tricky. And yeah, uh, I've been laid off three times, would have been six or seven if I had not left earlier. And um, all the companies uh, that had laid me off all handled it very well. And it was NEC, Disney. And uh, in between that, Viacom. And um, generally, the trend kind of is the bigger the company, um, the more provisions they have in place and they plan for it better. Uh, the smaller companies and even the smallish mediums like the Telltales, it doesn't sound like they do. So um, for whatever sense of pseudo security you can get in the, in the job market and especially the game industry market, um, at least the big game companies handle it better when when layoffs are involved mm-hmm. it seems that they have more liability yeah <laughs> well you know that too that yeah. i'm sure they they don't want you know bad press and mm-hmm. and they know what the laws are I, I mean that was the first thing i thought of was when telltale happened it's like the warren act um i can't remember the number but it's like if you're going to lay off more than 20 or 30 percent of the staff you have to give them 60 day warning um you know, and it's the law in California, and and that, that that's the way Disney handled it for all the studios that they shut down in 2014. And I'm like, how the hell did Telltale get around that, and um, or think they can get around that? So I don't know. Um, 
but we had a glass door concession uh, confession with a few Telltale employees. Yeah, I heard that. And it was interesting. That, yeah, yeah, that clause was brought up, and the thing is, there is a clause that says, in, in if the company feels that any info would jeopardize the completion of the project before a deal is struck, then they are uh, dismissed from uh, the Warren Act. So that's like the weird hmm. loophole for that law. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't read it, but that's what other people who are smarter than me said. Um, it is a, it is a shitty thing for sure. I mean, obviously, I think I would like to think Telltale is smart enough to kind of look at all the options to avoid further lawsuit. Right, but it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great, of course, if you know the 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 people who are um, doing that will get justice and live happily ever after but who knows yeah well um, like we hired one of the guys that was um from the previous layoff and you know mm-hmm. as i heard in that glass door thing it was very very much very well handled and you know it yeah. was um much more professional than than just the uh the blood blood the last yeah, yeah the last one right yeah and yeah. um you know in terms of advice i i think people they always have to be improving their skills, right? They have to be working outside work. They need to be building their portfolio, building their engineering shops, um, working on their designs so that they're always very marketable. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's always been kind of like you're on an iceberg and keep an eye out for a few other icebergs because you never know when that one's going to go down, right? So you, you always need to be uh, prepared and, and planning and refining skills so that you're not yeah caught you know blindsided and now like holy crap so you know and i've heard you guys speak about it too and i totally agree it's you know save money you know squirrel away money don't buy all those action figures you know just figure out ways to save some money because you never know what's going to happen and you know especially like on the west coast where you guys are um housing is just so outrageous Mm -hmm. um and you've got to have a cushion because it could be pretty brutal uh if you don't and something happens drastically definitely well i would say the layoff at least a layoff is kind of like a a necessary evil that all all game developers unfortunately will have to go through kind of learn yeah the fragility of this industry um Mm -hmm. i mean that's how i learn and that's definitely how i uh continue being cautious um, but I, I feel like the, 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 the veterans that are green are, are the ones that haven't gone through that type of situation and therefore mm-hmm. are more susceptible to just sudden change affecting everything, um, in a negative way. Yeah. So, yeah, no, and you're right. It is going to happen. So, um, you have to prepare for it. I mean, it's, you know, at its essence, it's a hits driven industry. And if you don't have enough hits at some point, you know, the bill comes and uh, layoffs and downsizing and all those kind of things. So you've got to be prepared. You have to be on top of your game and, and networking and building, um, building skills uh, for when it does happen. Not if, you know, it's, it's when. Um, mm-hmm. There's a motorcycle saying there's two kinds of riders. Those have gone down, down and those and that ha- haven't down. gone down yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I joined the the latter group uh, five years ago, but it was pretty much. Uh, but glad, yeah, it, yeah. Glad you survived, brother. 
Yeah, yeah, it was uh, my wrist got banged up a little bit. But I got you know, all the gear all the time, uh, fully decked out and all my stuff. So I was, I was good. All the gear all the time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's well. That's... <laughs> you, I'm assuming you can tell that I ride. But um, one thing I can say is you did mention not too long ago that you should always be working on your skills. And for example, I'm a game designer, mm-hmm. so uh, I've got this game that I've designed, and I would love to play it with you. It's called The Fast Five. Would you like to give it a try? Oh, all right, yeah. all right. See, uh, here, here we go. All what right. I love about this game is like before I even tell people the rules, they already say yes. So I need to start trying this shit in real life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So the fast five, I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions. And all I need from you is five rapid fire answers. Are you ready to go for the high score? Let's go for it. All right. Question number one, favorite kids cereal that you would still eat today. Uh, Captain Crunch. All right. Ugh. Question number two, name a game. You wish you had a new version coming out. Um, bu- 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 Formula One driving game by uh, Mike Cran- Crandon. Yeah. F- Formula One driving game. How about that? Gotcha. Question number three, your favorite project in your own portfolio. Uh, uh, most proud of the Mortal Kombat. Okay. My time with the Mortal Kombat team. Yeah. Question number four, answer this age old debate for us, please. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? No. All right. And the last question, because I flubbed it earlier, can you please finish this quote? Supercalifragilistic. Expialidocious. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I totally Woo. messed that up on the way in. <laughs> it's uh, a tongue thanks, twister. Yeah. It is. Thanks for saving my butt, man. That was asking me a really impressive score. That was a really impressive score. Uh, I would like to go mm-hmm. back to your Captain Crunch. The only reason why I made any sort of exclamation is because it tastes fantastic. But as we all know, you know, you need to gargle peroxide after like one bowl <laughs> to help the roof of your mouth start to heal up. Yeah, yeah, it, it does spread it like a like a cheese grape. But um, yeah, I haven't had it in a while. I, yeah. I eat a bunch of healthy stuff now. So, yeah. but yeah, I remember you had it. I have no idea how cereal can like be allowed to exist that does that. I don't care how good it tastes. Like they should <laughs> convert it's it to torture. Yeah, exactly. Make it round. Do something. You know. I don't know. Right, right. Don't, don't torture the kids. Right. Oh. All right. Good. So stuff. I have a question. I've always been interested in, um, you know, in the industry that you're in now. Like, is it usually mm-hmm. made up of? I guess, in, at least in your company, is it made up of a lot of former traditional game developers in a mix or a mix of uh, people who are more familiar with that side of the industry? Like, oh, yeah. How, yeah. What's the team make of yeah. that? Yeah. Um, man, we've got Electronic Arts, Microsoft, Activision, LucasArts, Google, Warner Brothers, Telltale, Wargaming, Phosphor Games. And, um, yeah, it, on the dev side, which is uh, the majority of headcount, um, people from the game industry um, that have you know done all these kind of great, amazing things, and are just looking for something different. So, um, yeah, yeah, we fired from all those different companies and uh, and other ones too. There's a huge exodus of veteran game developers, mm-hmm. and um, usually people who are looking for an escape and are ahead of the curve in terms of. Uh, uh, at least tipping their toes in freelancing or using utilizing their skills in other sectors, they're kind of the more pioneer of the group of realizing that grinding through this horrible business model isn't working out. 
Right. So I'm so I'm seeing a small, very niche group realizing this and and capitalizing it uh, and growing an industry maybe for the rest of us uh, to transition eventually. Um, but there, I, I, I do feel there's a still a large sector that is unaware of this blossoming industry, mm-hmm. especially the ones that are in three to five year cycles. Those guys literally go in caves and <laughs> don't realize, don't know about too much about the bulk uh, industry, the indie development scene, just because they get overworked, kind of like rock starish quality, right. you know. 100 hours a week or so right they don't have much time to kind of investigate it do you find that part of it pretty true a lot of people that you're working with kind of went through this cycle that you have at least have the same type of experiences and yeah 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 for sure and and that that's part of the attraction why we're growing so fast and 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 hiring so many people is um people are looking for something different right and you, you know you have stars in your eyes you you want to work in that triple a game that you see the tv commercial for that maybe you played when you're younger and you know I, I did it i did it for a long time but then at some point you're like well not being home and working three months straight um which i i did uh wow, what, what is this doing to my health and, and my family life? And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, on your deathbed, does that really matter? Right. So, um, it's starting to think about things like how can I, uh, have these skills and, and put them to use in a different way. And, and, and that's, that's where we're at. And it's like, we want these, the best and the best of the game industry, but like help us solve these weird medical challenges and mm-hmm. do these cool things. Um, you know, we did a, a, an app called Pulmex and, and we learned that pulmonologists kind of like save trophies, if you will, of like things they extract from people's bronchial tubes. So, you know, we learned about uh, somebody that swallowed a nail and you think about like a carpenter, you got the nail in the mouth and poof, goes back. So, you know, we built a level around re- a nail removal, um, navigating the bronchial tree and not doing damage and, and the mechanics around that and getting the UI right and getting it to feel right and, and getting it to feel right for doctors and, sur- and surgeons, right? Because that, that's that's the demographics, that's our audience. And um, so there's a lot of cool challenges around that that you can solve, but you don't have to sleep on a futon and you and you don't have to, you know, kiss your family goodbye for, for summer through fall uh, to make the, the crunch for... Uh, uh, Halloween through Christmas is when 60% of games used to be sold. But, um, so that's, that's the roots for all that was, um, you just had to be out for then. And that, that was the expectation. And, and now people are looking for something different and, you know, that's where we come in and that's where I come in as the director of talent acquisition, because I, I know a lot of people and I've worked with a lot of these people and, and they reach out to me and I reach out to them and, and we start talking and, um, yeah, there, there are opportunities outside, like to your point of just traditional console grind and, and doing the AAA thing and do, do it if you want. But at some point you, you want to change, you know, that's where there's opportunities too, like with us. Mm-hmm. Do you find the medical community anything shocking as you're developing and learning these things that they do? <laughs> It's like, is this really what you do? Because it's kind of like a magician role for me. It's like, oh, yeah, obviously these guys are highly trained. Well, it's it's interesting because you you learn a lot of stuff, and it's funny. Like, we'll have a designer there for a couple of months. You hear them talking, and I I look over and I'm like, 
holy crap, is that doctor or is that Travis? I'm like, it sounds like a freaking doctor, right? And mm. because you, you have to to learn this stuff and you watch these reference videos and you you get feedback. So it you see gross things sometimes and, um, you know, just looking at reference videos and whatnot, but you don't have to deal with that all the time. But yeah, you, you learn stuff that's interesting and cool and stuff you never knew about um, from the medical space that... Um, uh, it's just new to you. Right. And, and you sound like pseudo doctors. We all kind of joke. We're like Dr. Lights uh, f- from all of our experience being around doctors and, and doing focus tests with doctors and videos yeah. and things. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. Except for the really gross stuff, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I highly respect surgeons. Yeah. All doctors, mm-hmm. but my internal thought has always been like, at least the family doctors. Mm-hmm. The waiting time that you spend in the waiting room is them researching on Google. Like, what, what exactly? <laughs> it's like there's a good amount of time they're gone. It's like there's no way they have this in the back of the memory bay. What is that doctor yeah. site? Yeah. Right, Doctor MD or MD? Oh, uh, WebMD. WebMD yeah. or something? Yeah, there's WebMD. There's uh, <laughs> today Googling all your symptoms. Right, right. Well, yeah, no, and, and a lot of them are on tablets now too. And you're like, are you writing the script? Or are you googling mm-hmm. that? Right, you, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, no, that, that's the thing too. Is like we've learned. It's like what doctors learn when they come out of school. They have to keep learning at such a all the right, time, yeah. constantly, just constantly. So it's like it's not like you close the books. You're done with medical school, and you're like, all right, time to go be a doctor and just go to a conference right. once a year. It's like they always have to be learning. So that's like a gap that we're trying to fill for practicing doctors is. Why, why read a white paper when you can play it on your phone, you know, and learn exactly. some cool stuff. Um, it's a lot exactly. more entertaining, yeah. but yeah, it, and doctors, it's tough being a doctor too, right? Cause like the insurance companies come down on them and they have to allocate, you know, 15 minutes slices. You know, I've seen it myself with my doctor, like, man, I remember 15 years ago, he used to talk to me more. And now it's just kind of like, they're so regimented, um, mm-hmm. you know, because of the business side of it. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Have you found that any of the doctors come down exceptional or extraordinarily hard on the products that you guys work on for any reason whatsoever? You know, like especially yeah. when you're trying to get them to play games, like do they are they very open to it initially, or have you had any bad experiences and I guess trying to get medical professionals to convert to this type of training or experience? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the doctor, right? Like um in the demographics. So uh ones that are, you know, at the twilight of their career and you know, not particularly technically savvy. They're, I don't think we're going to reach them, but then mm. ones that are, um, are, are younger and kind of grew up playing games and, you know, it's cool. We do the, the play tests and they'd be like, yeah, I play call of duty and I play these other games and cool. This is great. This is on my phone, you know, so they're a lot more receptive. So it's mm-hmm. that, uh, the younger demographic versus the, you know, I'm about ready to retire and commit to golf type. Uh, demographic that 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 respond uh better to our games and uh but but things too for us that we're like well of course if the control should be like that but we we think of that from a gamer perspective and and sometimes that's not uh what the way they think about control so we have to uh we have a ux designer now uh who's helping us learn how the doctors want to actually control things Mm -hmm. to make it more accurate for them not like well of course a gamer is going to roll it by you know pitch and yawn and all that kind of stuff. It's you know, what, what does it actually mean to, to a doctor? So those are some of the challenges we, we have to solve. Yeah. Yeah, and 
Yeah. And, and, and we, we took one uh, build once it was pretty rough. Uh, it was early and we we're just trying to get some early feedback and uh, yeah, there was, he, he pulled no punches, right? He was mm. like, that doesn't look like that. Oh, that's terrible. Like why? No, why, why did the controls be like, you, you know, he, he was, it was pretty honest. And uh, mm-hmm. so I was like, Ooh, yeah, all right. We need to put some more time in our tech and in, in, in our controls. And we went back and kind of took our licks and went back and improved it. But yeah, yeah, they don't pull punches. So um, it's, and, it's re- good that way. I guess it's refreshing. It is, they don't dance around it. And I guess, do your products exist as standalone? Do you kind of serve it as like we wear type of micro experiences collected in a bundle? Like, do you do nail in the esophagus too? Or is it like you continue to expand? <laughs> Some TLC. How you do a micro a surgery? Yeah, yeah. These doctors. Um we build out for different subspecialties and then we, we kind of put new content in um, just based on the tools we have. And then we partner with companies that have things that they want to um, surface, you know, in the life sciences space. So um, it's different subspecialties and we're trying to build a whole suite. So we have stuff for anesthesiologists, for GI doctors, uh, gastro X. I, I worked on that. And then we, we have Pulmex and then we're working on, um, cardio X, which is interesting because it's all about navigation and working your way to the heart and doing stints and all that kind of stuff. So, um, nice. there, there's all kinds of, uh, and there's all stuff that we're talking for 2019 and beyond and, yeah. uh, some really interesting client projects that we, that we then will roll in as a, um, uh, highlighted case that you can then play. And it's like, Oh, wow. You know, using AR, I can see that use this device um, to visualize vocal cords is a lot easier because it has a uh, a camera on the end of it versus mm-hmm. the traditional way, which looks like a giant retractable ice pick that sometimes knocks a person's tooth out that they've used since 1943. Um, I should try the other way with this camera. And, and we built an AR case kind of doing the Pepsi challenge, like do it the old way, do it, the, do it with the Medtronic device. And then you're like, oh, wow, my time's much shorter. Maybe I should try using that more frequently and not just use the old metal hook that you put in the mouth to see the vocal cords. So, um, yeah, you, you learn about this stuff and it's, and it's cool because it's, it's life, right? This is real. This is real shit. This is what people deal with and this is what keeps people alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So another, I'm so another excited in this. Me. Go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Another quick one for me then as they spend more and more times being a doctors, but playing your software and becoming more into gaming. Do you see yourself, you know, because you're spending so much time researching and developing the software, like you're starting to pick up understanding and know-how of these vast, you know, complicated human human bodily systems where like now you're able to diagnose or you recall or reflect (laughs) on some of this doctor experience. How confident are you to elbow elbow off the doctor? Like if they're like, hey, let me surgeon on the level 100. (laughs) You're like, oh, I I made a game about this. Right, right. I got, I got this. I can remove this polyp. I, I know yeah, what I'm doing here. I can use the argon plasma coagulator gun because it's just like a lightsaber. Um, but it's got to be interesting. Yeah. Right? The amount of research yeah. that you have done, I'm sure you've learned a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and 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 that was the thing too. We built out this whole medical team because at the beginning we're like, we're game devs, man. We're not doctors. Mm-hmm. We we don't know what's right or what looks mm-hmm. wrong. And and we we had a doctor come in every Wednesday and he would give us feedback. And that should be more translucent. That shouldn't be so squishy. And and then we built out a whole team that does documents and does research. And um, so you you learn this stuff. And uh, yeah, you feel more empowered, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you know, if if you have to have a colonoscopy, hey, maybe you want to check out our game and kind of have an understanding what's what the process is right yeah. you know and yeah. although that's not our demographic but um you can learn that stuff and uh um yeah we keep 
building new things to, to address new needs uh, in the dip- different specialties and build out our suite of apps. I like that. Mm-hmm. Just a quick. So obviously you guys are focused in the medical field. Do you see other major uh, training opportunities that that you could training opportunities in other in other parts that that can help? Um, Oh, in in other like other industries uh, type space. Yeah, police police academy, (laughs) fire department. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, I've heard about like a firefighter simulator that was done by a company and I interviewed a designer from, uh, was she from Germany living in Australia and she'd done some stuff with NASA. Mm. Um, and that was kind of cool. And it was, I think VR stuff in NASA. She was in Australia telling me about that. So yeah, I, I see lots of applications, um, outside of medical and, and beyond, um, for those kind of things. Yeah. Yes. Police training. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see like bomb squad trainer. That might even just be fun as a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. That, that, man, there was an intelligent game. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's an old television game. You had, you had diffuse bombs and stuff, but yeah. Right. Train on for something on like television? that. Yeah. <laughs> I think press nine if you think yeah. it's the blue wire. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that was that was the system, man. In 1982, that that, that was 260 bucks, and uh, that that was that was cutting edge. It was Atari 2600. That's that's ancient, man. Television's where it's at. But yeah, that's yeah. it's grown a lot in 30. Five years, 38, whatever that is. Like yeah. I'm looking at it in television right now because I had to make sure my joke was correct, but like it looks like a phone that has a built-in answering machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's what the Intellivision looks like. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had these great sports games that uh, had no AI, so you had to play with other people. Yeah. And uh because AI wasn't even really there. So you just play and other guy would pissed off and throw his controller. But um it had the best graphics at the time. George Plimpton used to advertise it and compare the baseball versus uh Atari baseball. And yeah. So I've seen all of that. And uh even going back to the arcade days. Yeah. Oh man. I got I to work with some of my arcade idols too. So that was always kind of cool. Cause I when I interviewed at Midway, it was like mm-hmm. You're George Gomez and you did Spy Hunter. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm like, yeah, I put so many quarters in that thing in college. And then, you know, Eugene Jarvis at Defender and Joust and, and all, the, you know, he's an industry legend, too. And all those guys uh, yeah. work there. And it was just like, you know, Wayne's World. I'm just like, I'm not worthy. I'm yeah, yeah. Not worthy. Um, Spy Hunter yeah. was a must have Nintendo game for me as a kid. Like if you were cool, like if I thought you were cool because you had Nintendo, right. you had to have Spy Hunter to like achieve that title. <laughs> Your game collection was whack if you didn't have Spy Hunter. In my oh opinion. yeah. Right, right. Dropping oil spills and smoke yeah. screens and, yep. and doing all that. And I, I remember that in the arcade and sit down version. My buddy would play for 40 minutes. I'd like go to Arby's and come back. I'm like, dude, you're still <laughs> in the same quarter. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, or Tron. Yeah. George worked on Tron, uh, Tron too, you know, which was groundbreaking back in the, in the day. And when exactly did you join Midway? What part of Mortal Kombat were they on at that time? Um, I joined 2000 and okay, so I helped. 3D. Yeah, yeah. That was MK, MK5, which was Deadly Alliance. Yeah. And that was the first time we went straight to console. So man, yeah. there was a lot of hurdles. We had to go straight to console. We had to use a new engine, which was renderware, had to support all the platforms and Nintendo was much behind in terms of graphics and uh disk space and uh so deadly lines uh deception and then armageddon 
which we, we almost kind of joked was kitchen MK kitchen sink. Cause man, that, <laughs> that thing had a Mario Kart. We had a chess game. We had a single player RPG. Um, we had everything in that game and it was, uh, it was immense because the technology had, we gotten the tech there to the point where we could just focus more on content, uh, mm. create a player. I mean, it was, it was a monster and that was, um, you know, a team of, I don't know, 35, 40, 40 of us with some people helping out from other teams, but you know, it wasn't two or 300 or thousand or whatever the hell it is now for a giant, giant triple a, uh, Tice team. I think Mortal Kombat has probably the best supported fan lore in all of combat gaming, in my opinion. Like oh, yeah. everyone loves the Mortal Kombat stories, you know, yeah. it's, they've done so well for so many years. I think it's easily my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I was at M- MK Com- uh, It was a, a combat con, uh, mm-hmm. last year and, you know, just the fan base is, uh, so passionate and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, people It was celebrating the 25 year anniversary and two movies, right? I mean, that, and that first one killed it. Um, that was yeah. great, especially at the box office and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was huge. So yeah, that was, it was interesting times. I would love to see somebody do a take of like the original development method for like the original Mortal Kombat, like green screen camera pictures, but with mm-hmm. modern technology, you know, like super <laughs> HD crisp photography to be the sprites. Right, know, right, right. Taking advantage of cosplay now, but it'd be so dope to see it done that way. Like super yeah. high detail, high resolution. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But before it was just, Right there's a green screen, and they go to the costume shop and kind of come up with some stories. And um, mm-hmm. but yeah, to, to do a real modern version of it, yeah, yeah. that would be cool. So, uh, is there uh, is there anything right now that you feel just being on the other side that you're like, hey, I would love to be a part of that? Maybe there isn't, but <laughs> oh, uh, oh, just like I, I've always been a a, a, a driving nerd. So I, I mean, I used to play driving games with steering wheels on my PC and stuff like that. So, um, um, Forza stuff's pretty cool. Um, I used to play a lot of Gran Turismo and maybe, um, I've kind of lost touch with on, on the console side stuff. So I, I believe there's like a new Gran Turismo coming out. I'm, um, but working on a driving game is one about thing I've worked yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. They have very long dev cycles. Um, yeah, yeah, driving games probably for me. Um motorcycles is too hard to recreate the physics when you're playing uh, on a console. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um not slot machines. I I did slot machines for a little bit in my career and it just wasn't for me. Um, oh, let me ask you this. While you worked on slot machines, were there any sort of like bonus or financial incentives for like, hey, you know, your studio is going to get like a 2% cut of what all machines that run the software like, do they make deals like that? Or is it, oh, we hired you to make the machine and then that's it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's wow. just like, here, here's the thing. And and yeah. it was interesting, too, because, like, you had to work with a mathematician, mm-hmm. right? Because um, the designer had, you've got a pie. The RTP, return to player, has to fit under that 100%. And mm-hmm. you had to make sure all the math was, was cool because, uh, you know, uh, a casino game that pays 105% is a losing proposition. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, the RTP is always below that, whether it's, you know, 87% or 92 and it's all adjustable, right? They can go in and, um, <laughs> you <hear> change that. that. <laughs> they, they can make you less lucky whenever they want. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and it, well, it depends too where the casinos are, right? Cause yeah. like the casinos that have a lot of competition, they have to be a little looser with, with the return to player versus, you know, if you're on a desert Island and there's mm. the casino, well, 
where you're going to go, right? So mm-hmm. they can make their machines tighter. Um, so yeah, it, it's all the math that's behind that. And there's a mathematician that sits there with these giant spreadsheets, uh, making sure everything fits. Fit one figured. last quick question about this, because I know it's a tangent. Did yeah. they at least have to go to the machine and open it up to make this change? Or could they just like digitally do it from the fly, like with Bluetooth? Like, oh, just, oh, machine 308. Now it needs to be more difficult, less payout. Yeah. I, um, it used to be more physical, but I, yeah. I, I, I think you can just go through some menus in the screen and, and change the RTP um, on that pretty, pretty easily. You know, okay. um, they do have to at least it's, interact. It's with the it. directional left, left, right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slot, slot, slot. <laughs> yeah. No, and to be honest, there, there, there's a lot of cool stuff that you do in slots, and a lot of them have got more like. Uh, you know, video games and, and, and arcades, you know, with giant screens and um, yeah. all these kind of lights. I mean, I, I worked on a Price is Right game that we had uh, f- three giant monitors and it was for four machines and you have a light blasting over your head, you, you know, when you won to recreate the whole experience. And uh, we had one of the models do a bunch of green screen stuff and uh, we went for a photo shoot for that and uh, shooting video and make it realistic. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do. It's just that's uh, not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough all right well yeah. oh look at the time we have been podcasting for over an hour sir and okay. what we normally do as a gift to our podcast guest is brandon and i go refill our coffee mugs and go talk crap about our bosses while we let you <laughs> take over the mic and talk directly to the audience and promote shout out broadcast awareness raise awareness or just let people know about something you're excited about something you're working on or something that's important to you so without further ado sir the floor is yours Cool. Um, two things jumped to mind. Uh, Level X, that's the company I'm at right now. So it's level-ex.com. And you throw in a backslash, go to the careers page, and you can see all the openings we have there. Uh, focus on quality of life, great work-life balance, uh, doing cool stuff and working with the best and brightest in, in game development there. So uh, that's one thing. And I guess the other would be uh, gamedevadvice.com. And right. it's, it's how can I help people with uh, career counseling and, and direction and giving them uh, one-on-one advice and, and, and helping them along this path. Because it's a bumpy path with lots of twists and turns. And I've seen a lot. And um, I, I can speak to many things and help people out. Yeah, I really want both. I mean, game dev advice I already believe in. So I, I hope that that just smash success for you and all the people cool. that you get to interact Thank with. You. Yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, Level X, check out our site. Check out, um, we, we, we've got some great stuff going on. Really proud of it. I uh, have to say it. I look at my hands, I have one left and one right. I'm Larry Charles, and I'm saying goodnight. All right. Thanks, guys. guys. Take care. Enjoyed it. Bye bye. So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord, where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes, and Feedback Fridays, where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. 
And if you do so, you'll get access to Live Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.